side of red or switch they die Rather the dog who loud his motorbike Looking for legends on the sunset strip With a stone cold paranormal partnership Metal town red trying to sell me some crack Listen to the podcast man and take that shit back It's a Podcast Welcome to this week's Urbane Legends, the hit podcast, well that's a lie, the podcast about urban legends and other such mysterious things and stuff and that kind of thing that's happened or hasn't happened or exists or doesn't. Um, I'm confusing description there, Chris. <laughs> Thanks very much. Uh, I am uh, Chris Flynn and I was born 42 years to the day that... Uh, Leon Trotsky died, and four years to the day before Usain Bolt was born. Now, coincidence, I'll let you decide. And with me, as always, is my co-host, Mr... Neil Herbert. Hi, Neil. How's it going? I'm just having my mind blown by those amazing facts, Chris. That's really hooked the listeners in, I would imagine. They're pretty good, aren't they? Can't, can't stop listening now. Oh, yeah. Ooh. Well, I mean, you know... Imagine it, what it, else is going to come out. Does it all point to something? I don't know now. I, I'm going to have to get some cards up all around the walls and put some red string connecting them up to yeah. figure out where and what's going on here. Yeah. Can't do it without that, Chris. Or no. like Kerry from uh, Homeland, just like colour a load of things in, in purple and a load of things in, in yellow or whatever. And have a mental breakdown. Yeah. No, but it's good because, you know, uh, mental illness gives you an insight into things. Yeah. Classic trope. Yeah, like when yeah, like when people are having manic episodes. Yeah. Do you know what? That they're, they're the most logical. Yeah, they don't, they don't think they're Jesus or anything. That's, yeah, that's why I have a local homeless schizophrenic as my fund manager. <laughs> Not hit on the willing formula there, but I, you know, you wait. I'm going to be the next hedge fund billionaire. Yeah, how much? Um, how much are you investing with him each week? Thirty grand in the hole at the moment. <laughs> okay. <laughs> But you've got to be getting a bit moody. I don't think. Don't explain my financial strategy. But at least you put your flat up as as, uh, as collateral. Well, as Rishi Sunak said, I think it was just today. You know, you've got to be prepared to take risks. Mm. Not just like all these lazy fuckers going to work and expecting a wage. No, no. got to start a company and take risks and grow. Well, Neil, as you know, I've recently been made redundant, and uh, I'll be honest with you, starting up any tech business. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What I'm going to do is instead of trying to find a new regular source of income, I'm going to spend my gardening leave developing a new app. Nice. Yeah. Solid. Rishi, Rishi would approve. I'm going to try and sell it to the government, obviously. I mean, I won't lie to you, Chris. It yeah. helps if you A, have friends in government, and B, a nice little multi million cushioner to tide you over while we're taking risks. But. Yeah, that might help. Yeah, um, I don't have either of those. That shouldn't you know. put you off. No, it should. You're a true entrepreneurial spirit. Hey, have you? Hey, done. hey, with your redundancy money, get yourself a Raspberry Pi 
and invent the, and invent the new Microsoft. Invent Robocop. <laughs> the only thing chippy at the moment. We need more Robocops. Yeah, that's true, isn't it? Yeah. Too much protesting going yeah. on. Need a bit more compliant. Uh, is protesting illegal yet? Pretty much, much, isn't it? Let's be. Yeah, unless it's silent. And I mean, you, and, well, no, it's perfectly legal. If it's legal, silent, it's, then they're groups of no more than three. Yeah, it's perfectly <laughs> legal, yeah, to, to, with a small number in it in the right place. Mm. You know, you know, just have a protest in some car park off the M25 or something, it's fine. Yeah, but no more Pet than three. all in there. Yeah. It's beautiful democracy we live in, isn't it? It's, it's certainly what it calls itself. Yeah. Um, anyway, yes, for that. So, so, have you? Um, so, this is a th- with three recordings in a week now. How are you feeling? Are you in? Are you enjoying your increased um, contact with me? No, I'm coming out in hives. Coming out in hives. Yeah. Oh, I thought you'd just got loads of love bites. And you want to see the? Yeah. I do not. I do not want to see whatever you're going to say. The yeah. state <laughs> of something. I just rethought my. <laughs> what's going to come out of my mouth? But now I'm not going to go there. No. Yeah, um, you don't want to see it. Okay, well, shall we... Um, it's like we... having distressing physical ailments that it's causing. Yes. So let's get through this one, Chris. Okay, okay, now. Um, so shall we, shall, we dive, shall we dive straight in? I'll tell you what, why not? Yeah, you've got a... Yeah. You've got a, you've got a fun, got is one. it a fun one? I don't know, actually, is it? It's a mystery, that's for sure. I hate... Well, you... People like mysteries, that's why Lost was... Yeah. Are you one of them? Was so big. I do, I, I enjoyed Lost. I, um... Did you? Yeah. I even didn't mind the ending, actually. Why are you I mean, alone in it? It's a lovely twenty-year-old reference, isn't it? Um, yeah, he's... but those those mystery books so are still quite popular, aren't they? Mm. But this trying... is one. So I think a lot of people would have, if they're listening to this podcast, and they're probably into stuff slightly outside the mainstream. Although this was in the mainstream news as well, um, and it was shared a lot on the internet because there was like a proper photograph and everything. Yeah, I, th- I think our listeners will be a bit counterculture, a bit bohemian, a bit hip, you know. A bit what I mean? boho. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Cool. You know, bit, bit cool. of avant garde. Cool yeah. cats, avant garde, yeah. Oh, yeah. Beat, beat mix. Yeah. <laughs> You've got a lot of beat mix listening. <laughs> figure out how to go back to like 19th century slang or something. Mm. Hey, man. Hep cats. That's what Hey, we love 50s. mysteries, man. Lay it on me, daddy O. That's exactly. Uh, like that, yeah. yeah. Um, so, up to the minute slang. Up to the minute. That's yeah, London, down with, down London with slang. Yeah. Down with down with you. Yeah. So um, today we are going to. Uh, well, I'm going to read from an Observer article, Ooh. which is which is a an actual reputable newspaper. It certainly is. Yeah, and it's not right wing. Makes makes a change. It's one of our two non-right-wing papers of out of all of the out country. Of yeah, um, the independence uh, not is kind of centre left, I would argue, but yeah, possibly centre. Yeah. No, don't don't start me on centrists. Oh dear. Anyway, Why? What's that about? No, because it it's just moral relativism. Because what is the centre? What would the middle bit between two extremes? All right, centrists, what's your view on slavery for or against? Well, I think you know there sort should be s- out. there should be some you know, arguments well, for and you know. against. You've got to have a fair and balanced debate about it. <laughs> haven't you? Yeah, not every there isn't a centre to to, yeah. to everything. Um, so 
This article by Ellen Killeran is from 2018, mm, okay. uh, 7.47 a.m. Good to, good to know. Good that we've got some specificity about the time there. The yeah, you, you notice you've got specificity about the time of day and not the dates. you just got the year. Yeah. That's how I roll. So, 10 years later, the Montauk monster is still a weird, gross, and dark mystery. Oh, we've got another monster. Got a monster. Neil, so I'm going to ask you to pull up a picture of the Montauk okay. monster and see if um, see if it tugs at your heartstrings or your tugs memories. heartstrings or my erotic strings. Possibly. Hey, you might do. Possibly. Get brand to work. So... Yeah, so this is um, Montauk Monster, so a lot of people would have seen this, I think. Um, Save me a second, I'm having technical issues. That's all right, I'm going to start reading. Yeah, I'll be looking this up while you're doing that. I think it's because I've got two monitors on the go. Oh, Bobby Joe monitor. Yeah. I've got three monitors. I've got three. Oh, Bees knees, something else like. Yeah, I am the bees knees, actually. Yeah. I'm a tech. I've got, I've got to have the three monitors to do my app now that I'm um, exactly, now that yeah. I'm a tech whiz kid. Well, the more monitors you have, the more money you'll make. It makes sense, That's, doesn't it? Yeah, treble, treble the coding if you've got three monitors. Yeah, and it saves you buying glasses. That's true. So the Montauk monster began its reign of terror in July 2008. Is he meant to be sitting with a Barack Obama? No, I think that's a meme. Yeah, okay. I don't know, like, um, Barack Obama did disappoint us all, so maybe he, like, at some point, to boost polling, got the Montauk monster into his cabinet. He's fist-bumping the Montauk monster. Oh, I mean, he's, you know, he's probably the best president. Mm. I mean, he would have been nice. I might get like he said he was going to. But well, yeah, best of a bad bunch, but still like disappointing. Fair enough. Um, Certainly, the only one I would go out for a beer with the last. God, how long would it be? Even? Yeah, but he wouldn't go out for a beer with you. Well, of course, he wouldn't. He's got some fucking clubs. <laughs> he's rather hanging around with the Montauk monster, as yeah. you can see. Which you can see, he's fist bumping him. Yeah, I mean, he's fist bumping you, is he now? That's true. Are we going to, is this going to be there's another a, there's one? There's a low of... amount of memes involving me, unfortunately, Chris. I don't know, these are, I'm looking at Google Images. Yeah. And what's weird as well, Chris, Google has turned on safe search blurring. Right. And there's a lot right. of blurred images. Why? Well, I don't, I don't know. It doesn't want me seeing anything I shouldn't. <laughs> what? It's strange carcass on Staten Island. This image may contain explicit content. Google's become very sensitive. Okay, so there's like an animal corpse. Yes. Which, yeah, it looks like a kind of like a cross between a wolf and a, I don't know. So that's the Montauk monster. So mm. the Montauk monster began its reign of terror in July 2008 when the ghastly creature washed up on the shore of Ditch Plains, a popular surfing beach on the Montauk Peninsula. Mm. Three young women claimed to have first spotted the beast at the tail end of New York's Long Island and snapped a photo of the bloated, bruised carcass that appears to have been scorched by the sun. Or maybe it was fire. The photo would soon fascinate and revolt the millions who laid their unfortunate eyes upon... I mean, I don't think it's that disgusting. 
It's not that bad. I mean, its back half looks like a roast chicken. Mm. Quite tasty, actually. Yeah, not bad. Um, and then the front is kind of like I don't know. It's like a shaped bird or something. It's, it's got yeah. like a like a beak kind of thing, but with teeth, with sharp yeah. serrated teeth. And Weird, then, isn't it? Oh, looks, yeah, it's, it's very yeah. Got a hybrid. I'm wondering if this has been sewed together from different bits. And but it pieces. doesn't look like there's any sewing bits, does it? No, it's not. Not obviously there has been. Mm. Interesting. So. So this was so uh, revolt the millions who laid their unfortunate eyes upon it. So the revolt and unfortunate there, I think, were just put in because they, they needed to hit a certain word count. Uh, after Gorka published the image in an eighty-seven word blog post that sent the internet ablaze. Oh, I remember when Gorka could do that. Was it a pitbull? Hulk Hogan. Was it a pitbull mercilessly defeated in an illicit dogfight? An escaped mutant from a mysterious animal disease research centre on nearby Plum Island. Medical experiment gone wrong. Could be. Or a brave entrepreneur just trying to breed a new kind of awesome pet. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, or, or, you just know, taking or, risks, Chris. Or a brave entrepreneur trying to breed a new way of cheaply um, managing goods in their fulfilment centre. Yeah, they, you know, they'd be like the ideal Amazon worker or something. Oh, why did you have to name them? <laughs> so you can get sued, get some publicity. Yeah. Or it could be like, um, you get these in movies, don't you? There's always this sort of thing where there'll be some monster and they'll try and, you know, make it into a soldier or something. Mm. World's stupidest idea. I think that was a plot of one of those new Jurassic Park movies. Oh, really? Yeah, they wanted to turn the T-Rexes into, like, soldiers and that. Oh, it's right. like, well, it's good, because what we can do is we can what, point like this... Like zoids? Yeah, we, we, what you could do is you could point this gun at, like, mm. a thing and then press the trigger and then the, the dinosaur would attack them. All oh, right. What possibly would have been more efficient would be to actually have bullets in the gun and just fire those yeah. at the target. You know. <laughs> <laughs> it's not the lethality of a gun that we're, you know... <laughs> you know we've over-engineered this a little bit, I feel. <laughs> no. Point the gun, fire. It doesn't fire a bullet. It fires a tiny thing which gives off pheromones, which then gets these dinosaurs to maybe or maybe not attack it. Yeah. I'll be honest with you, they're fairly chaotic. I mean, the pa- the paratrooping velociraptors were a bad <laughs> idea, I'll say that. I mean, yeah. who, would have, who would have known the entire fleet of planes would have been up crashing into the ground? <laughs> we filled them with a load of angry dinosaurs. Yeah, it's not, it never, never seems like a particularly good idea. Yeah, and Tyrannosaurus is famously shit at shining their own shoes. So, yeah. discipline problems. The amount of eating drill sergeants oh. is not worth it. <laughs> so, uh, mysterious is from the Mysterious Research Centre of Plum Island, a raccoon robbed of its fur in a post-mortem, post-mortem tumble through the sea, a turtle without its shell. But turtles don't have teeth. Yeah. Dog, and dogs don't have dinosaur beaks. All anyone could agree on was that they had never seen anything like the Montauk monster before. Like most of us, I first saw the photo by way of the Gorka story. I don't remember doubting for a second that the creature in the photo existed, whatever it might be. It was real. At the time, all I cared to know was, what in tarnations is this thing? And then later, where is it? Then and now, the story of the Montauk monster is a slippery one. To try and make sense of it is like trying to hold a cup full of sand in your fist. 
To the best of our knowledge, the infamous photo was taken on the 12th of July 2008. It has been credited to Jenna Hewitt, who was joined by her friends Rachel Goldberg and Courtney Fruin when they reportedly stumbled on the carcass during a leisurely day at the beach. It would be two weeks before the beast landed on the radar of New York City medias. The Gawker Post was published on July 29th. In that brief period of relative quiet, tales of Viking funerals, grave robbings and alleged Photoshop hijinks whispered among the shadows of the Montauk dunes. Away from the spotlight's glare, few of us may ever know for sure what really happened, but we know this. By the time the proverbial sirens came blaring, someone had time to hide the body. See, this is the part that makes me suspicious. I'm assuming now all we have of evidence is a photo rather than actually a, a corpse that somebody could dissect and stuff. Well, we'll find out as the story unfolds. Well, I've got a theory, but I'll keep it to myself. <laughs> well, you just said it. No, 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 I mean, I've got a theory about what the monster is. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, as best as we can tell, this is the story of the Montauk monster. <clears throat> I'm going to have a little sip of my drink. Go for it. He's actually drank. He's doing cough syrup. Mm, it's lean. Cheeky little codeine. It's a lovely bit of lean, yeah. Yeah. Needed to get through three of these a week. Um, Tell me about it. <laughs> Well, you've been after all those storms. Ooh. You're huffing ether, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, I like to do that on a Friday evening. Oh yeah. By the way, the storms. Um, we yeah, unsurprisingly, the the British Isles did survive them. Yeah. Well, most of it. I mean, I mean, some some pebbles got sucked into the sea or something, and 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 a window blew out. I remember that was a, a news news story. Never forget. <laughs> Uh, so, the byline on the Gawker Post belonged to one Richard Lawson, now Vanity Fair's chief film critic. Mm. But then a 20-something writer who had moved from Gawker's advertising sales team just a few months before. God, he sounds awful. Advertising oh, sales. A PR agency had sent the soon-to-be-famous photo of the Montauk monster to Anna, Anna Holmes of Jezebel, Gawker's sister site, and she reportedly believing it was some kind of viral marketing campaign, forwarded it to Larson. Within minutes of its posting, the story blew up. Drastic understatement, Lawson was surprised. I thought it was a dead thing that looked weird. Yeah. The grisly story was picked up by national outlets like Fox News and the Huffington Post and NBC. Experts who weighed in on the Montauk monster's identity, one believing it was made of latex, were all working from only the notorious, dubious photo. That was my theory, made of latex. Really? Yeah. It looks, yeah, well, it could just, you could easily make, make this up as like a prop, couldn't you? Like a monster prop. Mm. That's the most likely explanation, I think. Okay, Mr. Skeptical. We'll see. How you, you know, if there was an actual body... Well, then it wouldn't be a mystery, would it? It would be a world-shattering unhinging of the natural order. Mm -hmm. Just a species we've never seen before. So anyone who... was well, same thing. <laughs> anyone who wanted to see the beast in the flesh was out of luck. By the time the creature became known as the Montauk Monster, it was already gone. Convenient. 
The locals who spoke to the media in the weeks following the discovery had vague and varied explanations of how and where the carcass disappeared, but shared a unified message. Don't bother looking, you won't find it. In early 2008, an unidentified witness told Newsday that she had heard from people who had seen the monster after it was moved from ditch plains to an undisclosed residence. Now it's decomposed and it's just skull and bones, the witness said, noting that she'd seen the same photo of the creature on some people's phones and it was no bigger than a cat. Mm. She didn't explain how she was able to determine the animal's scale from just those photos and dodge a reporter's questions to see where the remains were buried. Jenny Hewitt also told Newsday that the carcass was rotting in the woods in a backyard of some guy she declined to identify. So you, you just take it home and just let it rot on a patio. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wouldn't yeah, be my back first to nature. Yeah, let the, Give it a decent burial, Chris. Yeah, you proper. Know, do the final rites. And, yeah. Do you pronounce? Do monta- monsters have souls? I hope so. Well, you know. You're going humans, back to see your father in heaven. Humans are monsters, aren't they? Well, do the do real we, monsters, as we've said we many have, a time. Do we have souls now? The answer no, is probably not. Man. Probably not. <laughs> I mean, take the mechanistic bit. No. Um, I mean, so I mean, it sounds like they interview people in the town. So, yeah, got some killer info. Well, do you reckon it was a way to drum up a bit of business around around the town? <laughs> I mean, to be fair, yeah. I mean, I suppose it's clever in a way to sort of keep the. I mean, I don't know what they're saying. I mean, we wouldn't just say, oh, it disappeared and we don't know. That's that's the tack I'd take, not like, oh, it's in some geese's patio and it's rotten away. Or it's, cause if it would be a skeleton, that would still, you know, you could still get a... Yeah, you know, sort of DNA, couldn't you? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, you could extract DNA from the teeth and so on and so forth. Or the marrow. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, there would still be value in, in looking at that. Um, but, yeah, no, I suppose that is good because it, well, it reminds me of, like, there was another good... Well, good hoax... It was not this really stupid hoax. So there was a you remember these couple of geese that claimed that they had a Bigfoot. Oh yeah, they took a photo of it in their freezer. Yeah, we talked about it. Yeah, and then eventually they had to sort of expose it, and it's just like, yeah, just a gorilla uh, mask. Yeah, it's a gorilla mask, load of chicken <laughs> giblets or something. I can't remember what it is, but yeah, you just you know at the end of, at some point you're going to have to actually come up with the goods, and then it's all yeah. fucking going downhill. So yeah, I suppose it's clever in a way. Just no, I, I yeah. I, I mean, I'm very much in a camp that, yeah, it's probably like something that somebody made and uh, okay, well, let's, take a photo, let's, make it a mystery. But it's not going to drum up trade for anyone in particular. I think it's just a little prank, to be honest with you. Well, I mean, it would because you've got news crews coming in. They're going to want to use suppose, a local yeah. restaurant. People will hear about, you know, hear about it and think, oh, well, maybe let's drive up there for a little day trip, see if we see anything. You know, like, do, do it's going to bring more people in than zero, yeah. isn't it? So, are people have money? Yeah, postcards, t-shirts. Oh, it's, it's that hot dog seller who was mysteriously appeared. <laughs> the, Just a single follow one. the money, Chris. That's where it went. So, so, Lauren Coleman, a veteran cryptozoologist based in Portland, Maine, knew about the Montauk monster before most of us did. In fact, he named it. Well, there's a nice picture of him standing in front of a Bigfoot. Nice. Coleman told The Observer that he started getting messages from friends and colleagues about a curious carcass after it made local news on July 23rd, 2008, but before Gorka picked it up. 
And he was sceptical, but not for the reasons that some of us might be. After all, cryptozoology is a pseudoscience that takes folklore like Bigfoot and chupacabras very seriously. And Coleman is at the top of his field. A self-described fan of alliteration, he coined the term Dover Demon back in 1977 after a Massachusetts schoolboy swore on a stack of Bibles that he saw a devilish creature with glowing eyes and tendril-like fingers sitting on a stone wall in a distant Boston suburb. So we've, got to, unpack, we've got to unpack that one a little bit, I'm afraid, Chris. <laughs> So, schoolboy swore on a what was that? stack of Bibles. A stack of Bibles. So, yeah. what I'm not one nil. Yeah, not two. That's not even I'm, three. That's the point. A I'm fucking stack. Yeah. So, is it like, well, you swear on the Bible, we wouldn't believe you? No, the stack. So, I think they should apply this principle in court. Do you know, you, you can swear on like the Bible. You know, I swear to the truth, how, the truth, nothing but the truth. How, how sure are you that you saw him on yeah. four Bibles short? <laughs> yeah. How about ten? No, how about a stack. I'm not. How about how about a forklift pallet full of Bibles? I'll tell you what. You put you you make a building out of Bibles. I'll get in the middle of it and swear on all of them. Yeah, I rest my case. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So so the schoolboy swore, and he was from Boston as well. So he's probably Catholic. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, so it's all the stack of Bibles that he saw. You you. You, you deceive, you know, you're, and you're breaking one of the Ten Commandments there. So if you mislead witnesses... By, co- by coveting the yeah, devil's by coveting wife. your neighbour's oxen, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, then, you know, you know, you're bearing false witness, aren't you? So, yeah. um, so you do that on one Bible, God's going to, you know, he ain't going to be very happy with you. But no, yeah. not at but all. We might, let that, we might let that slide. Yeah, well, that, do you know what? Well, that, that's, Bibles. That's one, gonna... in, that's one in the bad column for when we do that, when we weigh up your heart yeah. against a feather... Pete, St. Peter does that, I think, doesn't yeah. he? I think that's it. So St. That, Peter's going to absolutely fucking nut you if you were... Uh... But if you save an orphan, then you can you can wipe that out. But yeah. a whole stack of them, then that's however many Bibles. That's, that's well, you'd marked, have to be like it? Mother Teresa or Elon Musk to maybe that's that what, maybe, maybe that's why she did it. Yeah. She swore in a stack of Bibles that she saw a devilish creature with glowing eyes and tendril white fingers in New Delhi yeah. or whatever. I'm going to have to make up for this for the rest of my life by uh, giving really poor healthcare to poor people. Forcing people to... In a religious way, so, you know. Forcing people to um, convert to my religion before I'll give them any help, that kind of thing. Yeah, we're saving saving their soul, Chris. Very more more important than... Yeah, maybe just give them the fucking penicillin, you prick. Uh, (laughs) No, more praying. (laughs) Prayer feeling. Um, 100% effective getting you into heaven, Chris. Okay. If you say so now. Um, but, yeah, okay, so just to... Fact, just, and by fact, I mean, it says, says that. In one of the many Bibles yeah. that you constantly... The stack of Bibles that I'm sitting on currently. <laughs> that you've currently... I swear on them. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, there, there we go, go then. Oh, there you go. Fact. Um, so, uh, just to let you know, uh, it says it here, in his field, Coleman has plenty of admirers. I'm sure he does. Well, there he does. He's, he's the top dog of uh, cryptozoology. Yeah, he gets invited to all the best cryptozoology parties and conferences. Yeah, there's a lot of people throwing around underwear at him. Oh, like yeah, Stuart, the... <laughs> something like that. So here he here he goes. July twelfth is my birthday. You didn't need to add that, mate. 
I'm not going to send you a present. July 12th is my birthday, and says me, who, who said stuff about my birthday earlier. Uh, and a lot of people around the world celebrate my birthday and send me all kinds of greetings, Coleman said. Well, there you see. There you have it. <laughs> Lots of people around the world celebrate your birthday. He's trying to encourage it, isn't he, obviously? He's That's enough. a bit of hustle. So, don't get nothing if you don't ask, Chris. So I wondered if they were trying to hoax me. I was very suspicious of it at the beginning. It seemed like too good to be true. <laughs> said Coleman, who's got a massively inflated... <laughs> Sense of his own self importance, yeah. Well, this is clearly about me. <laughs> well, all of them expert and noted sociopath. Well, when, mil- when millions around the world celebrate your birthday, you're going to get a few bad eggs. Look, don't get me wrong, I'm only, you know, maybe only 20, 25% of the Earth's population <laughs> are aware of my birthday. Consider themselves Colmanites. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> In the grand scheme of things, that's nothing, nothing major. We're all moving to Mars, you know. Um, Coleman said he tried to make arrangements to see the monster for himself. It wasn't impossible for me to get to New York in my private jet, he said. I was open to taking a look, but nobody would produce it. Did he really said in his private jet? This is a cryptozoologist. No, no, for I, private... that. I was going to say, it's <laughs> no, I had fucking to... <laughs> bonds of fucking cryptozoologists. <laughs> He tried to make contact with the three women who took the photo, but just like the carcass, they seemed to disappear. These people put up a brick wall around themselves. Mm, That's not at all dodgy and telling. I met with this wall in the last few weeks while trying to dig up some answers. The answers were much harder to come by than I initially, perhaps naively, believed they would be. I reached out to the key players and I was able to identify in an effort to discover what became of the beast after it was taken from its temporary resting place on the shot. Despite many of those same people being more than eager to talk about it from all angles back in 08, my inquiries have been largely ignored. Eric Olsen, a surfer and real estate... the Montag monster. Well, could it's it be? It's been cancelled, hasn't it? Eric Olsen... more by with a sheen, Chris. Eric Olsen, a surfer and real estate agent, it sounds insufferable, Yeah, who told the East Hampton Star... Barefoot realtor. <laughs> hey, come on, guys. Look, I'm just a chill, I'm just a chill guy who wants to get you in and in a good pad, you know? Just passionate about space, yeah? Inner and outer. Hey, look, I just, I just want to get you somewhere that suits your vibe. Yeah. Um, the East... So he told the East Hampton Star that he removed the carcass and left it to decompose on his friend's property so they could preserve the bones and give it to a fashion photographer for, the da- for a Damien Hirsty art project. God, he said, that's terrible. Yeah, what, a, what a price cunt this guy sounds like. I mean, <laughs> all of this is made up, but yeah, can you imagine your first reaction? It's like, well, let's, you know, let's hey, do man, it. Just, it. Do you know what? Like, yeah, I'm going to make some wind chimes out of this bad boy. Yeah. Like, if you actually discover Bigfoot corpse or something, you're like, oh, let's turn it into a fucking album for an album cover for a shitty indie band. <laughs> Do you think we would have done that 15 years ago? What? You know, if we were one of our uh, music projects had taken mm. off, you know, stick a stick a Bigfoot thing on the album, try and get yourself a bit of bit of extra. Or find stats. an actual Bigfoot, kill it, and then put it on the album cover. No, just say we stumbled across one. Let's assume we're hiking in, I don't know. Crawling. Yeah, Crawley. 
um, and a, you know, stumble across undisputable evidence of a Yeti or a yeah. Bigfoot or something. Use um, it to provoke the bands rather than... Rather than, yeah. Rather, rather than, than for the scientific advancement of mankind. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I would have done that. I'll do it now for the yeah. podcast. Ah, fair enough. Wouldn't you? Maybe you're not committed enough. That's true. I'd like to find a chupacabra and uh, get a fashion photographer to come in and take pictures of its bones with us, with our podding gear on in front of it for yeah. a Damien Hirsty style art project. So he did not respond to, a, uh, respond to a message that I sent on Facebook. And the only place I could, the only place I could find him, neither the fashion photographer nor the reported owner of this property where Olsen left the monster before it was stolen, he said, have responded to a request for an interview. <clears throat> only talk, I only talked to the waves. Yeah. Uh, I briefly corresponded with a man who ran a blog about the Montauk monster for several years who eventually said that talking to the major about it just don't feel the most aligned for me. Fair enough. What do we mean by that? Interesting. Don't feel the most aligned for me. Aligned with what? Mm. He refused to respond to two direct questions, asking to confirm that he saw the monster himself, a claim he made on his blog. You can't trust a blog post. You know who can you trust? Well, no, they're not there. So, I got an email reply from Rachel Goldberg, but her response was less than enthusiastic. Goldberg, who appears to live in Hawaii now, said that talking about the Montauk monster all these years later wasn't a priority for her and her friends. She signed off her first message with aloha, which of course means both hello and goodbye, in case you didn't know. I think, I think it meant more goodbye in this instance, let's mm. be honest. We can also mean fuck off. I think I'm getting some good stuff. That's a good one, though. I'm going to have to use that. Right, Trust aloha. that priority for me at the moment. Do you want to do that work you said you were going to do? No, that's not really priority, priority for me at the moment. Aloha. Aloha. <laughs> yeah. You're Definitely what being in Hawaii. You're going to change your work signature. <laughs> yeah. Instead of kind regards, it's aloha. Neil Herbert. Do you know that could mean hello? It could mean goodbye. In this case, it means goodbye. <laughs> in your case, it's usually in brand brackets. Um, so, the summer of 2008 was a cultural tipping point for Mohawk. Uh, Mo, uh, Mohawk? Yeah, the Mohawk monster. The Mohawk monster. The punk version the, of the Montauk monster. Yeah. The Mon... Uh, uh, sorry. The summer of 2008 was a... Cult, it's Friday night. Uh, summer of 2008 was a cultural tipping point for Montauk. It marked the opening of the Surf Lodge. Ooh. An ultra-trendy waterfront bar that drew the once-sleepy beach community, a city crowd accustomed to claiming attractive scenery as their own after discovering it, regardless of who was there before. Tell you what, I bet Eric Olsen, if that's his name, probably loved that. Oh, he's all about it. He's probably, probably invested in the concept. Well, yeah, the Surf Lodge. Yeah, yeah, of course. And real estate. Speaks to both of his passions, real estate and... Surfing, yep, yeah. and Riding artsy, the waves, artsy, artsy, being artsy, tubular, artsy crowds, yeah, being being cowabunga, yeah, being part so of the scene, a... <laughs> excluding nerdlingers. I, I am the scene. Uh, in subsequent years, 
Montauk and its neighbouring East Hampton, already plundered by hordes of city rats, would be absorbed into mainstream popular culture. First with the network TV drama Revenge, which was set in East Hampton and debuted in 2011, and later with the Showtime series The Affair, which put the spotlight firmly on Montauk, which had... Um, had um, McNulty in it, McNulty. Yeah, McWest. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and Donna West in it. I've forgotten the lady's name. She was in Luther. She's a very good actress. Ruth Wilson. There you go. There you go. Perhaps to the... Who's seen it, though? Nah, it's not my, my cup of tea. Good. Romance. Too it's much, good too, much too much kissing. No, really? That's well, about an affair, isn't it? No, that's true. I, I would imagine so. I don't care. Fucking banger you want. Stop telling me about it. We have plenty of them in the wire. There was other stuff going on. Yeah, there's other stuff going I mean, on. Now, he was basically knobbing anything that would move, wasn't he? Yeah, absolutely. Um... So, perhaps to the chagrin of locals who would have preferred to keep their beaches and secrets to themselves. The affair depicted the year-round residents of Montauk as a somewhat tragic and very fucking shady. There's a small-scale drug trafficking, crooked real estate deals, and a fatal hidden run. High school nemeses who conveniently end up as your prison guards are more than one titular infidelity. Mm. Of course, it's a scripted television show. Still, an acquaintance who I spoke to at the early stage of researching this story told me, in what sounded like a warning, that Montauk is a place with lots of secrets. I mean, this is turning into more of a TV review and less of a monster hunt now, but hey. Yeah, whatever, man. It's just words, isn't it? Yeah. Um, is this like gonzo journalism? Something. Did he get paid by the word for this, do you think? I think absolutely, yeah. yeah. I think 100%. Um, um, we asked it... you for a story about the humanitarian crisis in whatever, and you put in a... But <laughs> <laughs> nearly thousand word blog at the Montana. This is The Observer. That's true. Is the true story of the Montauk monster one of them, or was the monster a kind of symbolic warning in itself? Cautioning the jitney come lately, stay away. What's a jitney come lately? Shouldn't it be Johnny come lately, you know, isn't it? I, I assume there's some right, yeah, reference. Jitney, yeah, how are you spelling that? J I T N E Y. Is that a common name? In that and did someone place it there with precisely that intent to spook the invaders? Really? A couple of what? what one cat-sized crypto creature is going to scare off. Neil, it's a theory, isn't it? It is a theory. It's a very stupid theory. Yeah. <laughs> that absolutely doesn't support the what I'll charitably call facts. Well, it's a theory. A couple of weeks after I first laid my eyes on the creature, I would be amongst the colonisers. In my memory, Montauk was still abuzz with chatter about a mysterious beast. I think I remember talking about it with the shuttle driver from Montauk Manor who drove us to the beach uh, not far from where the rotting carcass washed up. I definitely remember the surf being so strong that it would fling you face down in ankle-deep water, dragging your body over the rocky shoreline as you struggled to get to your feet. I could have sworn I remember the Montauk monster was the topic de jour when I visited friends who had rented a house. 
That felt like it was miles and miles from the beach. I thought I heard the owners of the property had somehow claimed the corpse that it could be anywhere underfoot. Mm. But no one I spoke to who was there at the time remembers it anywhere near the same way I do. <laughs> They're all so over it. Why you stop living in the past? Hey, let's go down to the surface point. Yeah, yeah we found an unexplainable creature. Whatever, man. That was 2008. The guys from Jersey Shore are coming down to do yeah. a stage show, to do a, to do a, a, vest, a vest signing. Nice. Um, My new trainer sideline on. The situation's coming down. Oh. And, That'd be awful, wouldn't it? And Moogsy. I don't know. Is that a name? I've no idea. I've, I have Moogsy. sadly heard of the situation. Yeah, so have I. Um, Fuck it, yeah, I imagine calling yourself that. <laughs> it's funny. For fuck's sake. I mean, saying it without irony isn't good, but saying it with irony is good. Yeah, fair enough. You have to hope that it's tongue in cheek, don't you? Well, your guitar name used to be Neil the Power Herbert, so. Well, it wasn't, I didn't come up with it myself, did I? Yeah, you well, I never addressed myself as that's it. <laughs> but you didn't, you didn't fight it. Mm, reasonable nickname, better than the usual. <laughs> oh, here we go. Oh, it's all right for you. Yeah, well. The the power. Yeah, but if I was on if I was on like a reality TV show, I wouldn't turn up and go, yeah. "Hey, I'm the power." Or yeah, it's like, yeah, I'm in the I'm power. In the I'm, I think I've told you this story before, but I, I don't think I've said it in the podcast. But when we're down the Gloucester, I first met this guy, and he's like, a, "Hi, I'm Silver," and of course, Silver wasn't his oh, real yeah. name. And it's like I just made up a policy there, and then it's like I'm not going to ask. Clearly, I was going to be like. Oh, that's an unusual name. Where'd that come from? Yeah. It's like, well, I feel like I've got a really silver energy or whatever. You know, it's like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you silver, right? Yeah, okay, fine. Yeah. Fine. I was pint, yeah. Might have called you Steve. Yeah. <laughs> tell us your real name at some point and have to keep using that embarrassing one. Yeah. I'll tell you what's happened here, Silver. You've just embarrassed yourself in front of me. So yeah. I don't know if you were trying to impress, but you should have You should have mistakenly here. kept calling him different metals. Yeah. That was what <laughs> I would do. All right, Rosie. Hi, Nicole. Right, okay. <laughs> right, Mercury. Hi, Europium. Yeah. Um, so, if there's anything consistent in this twisted in the twisted tale of the Montauk monster, it's that people's recollections of it don't seem to line up. Yeah, your copper at best. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> is that only a function of the passage of time, or is everyone hiding everything? And who or what would be spooking them into keeping quiet? I like the idea of the monster being a kind of omen of what was going to befall Montauk, Lawson said. He also said the story almost didn't happen. Gorka's founder and CEO, Nick Denton, or as I call him, Denty, had been away on vacation. I article is absolutely insufferable. I don't know. I added the Denty bit. Denty. Oh, okay. Had I'll been away. No, it's me who's insufferable. Had been oh, away yeah. on vacation. Oh, we knew that, Chris. Don't worry. I mean, this is a, no, this is one. Pa- this article's one paragraph. I'm filling. Yeah, you're just drawing it. Yeah, this fair enough. <laughs> uh, so Dente had been away on vacation when the photo landed in Lawson's inbox, and a reporter says he believes the story wouldn't have been published if Dente had been there to kill it. It's always been my suspicion because he's because it seemed a little too goofy. Lawson said. It didn't have this edge to it. Oh, no. At the time, Goofy for Gorka. Mm. So edgy. Could be edge. Yeah. Edge lords. Straight edge. 
Yeah. Um, at the time, Nick Layton was working for Plum TV, a Hamptons-based cable station that no longer exists. <laughs> Good job. He interviewed Goldberg, Hewitt, and Fruin on the patio of the Surf Lodge on July 31st, two days after the Gorka story hit. It felt like Frost Nixon, Layton said, presumably tongue firmly in cheek. Yeah. He shared a video of the interview with the Observer. The girls have cocktails in front of them. Their eyes hiding behind sunglasses. They are less than animated as they answer the questions about stumbling upon the monster and downright evasive about what happened to the body after it mysteriously vanished. They signed an NDA. They couldn't disclose. Couldn't, no. Well, the, the government had their families. Yeah, they got men in black. Yeah. Or a witch put a spell on them. Could be. Probably Hannah Craner. Maybe. Maybe, no. It's not That's far liked. <laughs> they said it was sealed in some kind of box, Leighton said. I was definitely a little suspicious during the interview. But in the video, Goldberg has a has the digital camera they used to take the infamous photo and showed Leighton uh, that and a second image from another angle. It seems pretty legit, but as Leighton pointed out, it's not that you can't upload a photo back into the camera. I mean, again, I think you're taking the technical route. Like, yeah, no, it's, it's not that some, you... It's some sort of Photoshop. That doesn't, yeah. That it's some sort of Photoshop thing rather than just like like you said. Just you just so you can make a prop that looks like this. So, yeah, that's... that's yeah. yeah. Uh, if I was today, Nick, I would have asked that question. 2008, Nick, just let it go. We were all sort of playing our role in the We've game. We've all got our regrets, Nick. Yeah, well, doesn't sleep at night anymore. Oh, Wife no. left him. If only. <laughs> Kids don't want to see him. That poor murdered Bontech monster. Could have been avenged. on a street corner. Uh, part of that game was a conspiracy theory. Coyley promoted in the interview that a Montauk monster was an escaped experiment from nearby Plum Island, a highly secretive animal research facility that is the subject of sinister rumours. But there is no evidence that Plum Island has anything to do with the Montauk monster. Well, that's what they want you to think. Well, yeah, do you know what I mean? Like, it's... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, almost, you kind of, if there's an animal research facility there, there's going to be people who are against it. And maybe, like, the Monster Monster was to shed light on it, maybe get people to shut the animal research thing down or whatever, see what's going on there. Yeah, they're, they're breeding monsters, literally. Well, I mean, there was that weird animal research one down in Florida, wasn't there, where the skunk ape was hanging about. And they actually have like fucking orangutans and stuff that they do research on, which I didn't think was illegal. Well, I didn't think was legal, but I think it's extremely restricted climate research. But yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, I don't know why you do it on orangutans particularly. But... No, bit of a laugh um, in it. Yes, laugh. You, you can really, your limbs. You can really see the pain in their eyes. Yeah, beautiful. You know, the the begging, begging for their lives. Um, Leighton said he visited the facility about two years later, unrelated to the monster, after deciding to film an episode for a show he was producing at the time on Plum Island. He had to go through a government approval process to bring a crew to the Animal Disease Centre, even though they were only given access to the lab with the lowest levels of security. 
A pregnant crew member opted out on the trip on doctor's orders. Leighton said they were able to bring food and drink to the island, but nothing could leave with them, not even an unopened bottle of water. He's certain that the Montauk monster didn't come from Plum Island. The security is such that I feel comfortable eliminating that theory. It seems inconceivable that they would let their mutants escape. <laughs> right, keep them firmly caged. Yep. They've learned their lesson from Jurassic Park. Well, exactly, or Toxic Crusaders. Yeah. Um, Leighton said that he had heard that the Monsoc monster was torched at sea in a Viking funeral. <laughs> I mean, yes. The theory, again, there's as good a theory as any other that's coming that's out. That's how they got rid of it, yeah. Yeah. There may have been, uh, this may have been reference to an alternative origin story that emerged almost a year after the first story broke. And I'll be course, honest with you, if that is what happened, I want to see photos of that. What, the Viking funeral? Just a tiny little boat while they're all firing arrows at you. <laughs> but yeah, that'd be a scene I wouldn't mind watching. Um, farewell to Valhalla. Godspeed. Uh, let, let the Valkyries take you by your stump arms up to Valhalla. Lots of Chattacubras. Where you will battle and feast. Um, so, according to a June 2009 report in Gorka, Drew Grant, formerly an editor at The Observer, uh, wrote a since-deleted post on the now-defunct blog uh, ASSME, Association of Shit-Canned Media Elites, about meeting up with an old friend who claimed to have... defunct 2000s-era media here. Uh, ...who uh, claimed to have created the monster. Ah, the unnamed friend reportedly told Grant that he and some pals had stumbled across a dead raccoon the weekend before the July 4th holiday when he was cavorting at Shelter Islands with activities that included waterboard, a waterboarding endurance competition and a close spin on a close pins on your genitals challenge. That That's fun, lads. We That's have a good time. Rugby players. Yeah. Stick Gorka. up his ass. How many yeah. five? How many chug, five? Chug, chug. How many five peas can you get under your foreskin? Borka provided. <laughs> Next. Uh, Gorka provided a detailed argument about the plausibility of the carcass making its way from Shelter Island where it washed up into ditched plains. Not very likely, but certainly not impossible. And published an image that appeared to show the raccoon's corpse on an inflatable tube, which was weighed by a watermelon. Another photo showed the makeshift vessel floating in the water consumed by fire. So these lads, lads, lads on their drinking thing where they're trying to show yeah, a tough play around with some raccoon corpses. Yeah. Even Viking funeral. Doesn't sound related to me. No. Just some unrelated twattery. Yeah. Well, what are they? So he's going, oh, yeah, I made it. Yeah, we were there putting clothes pins on our penises yeah. and waterboarding ourselves slightly yeah, too. Typical Saturday night. Yeah, yeah, just, you know, just just good good old-fashioned male bonding. Yeah. Uh, we, found a rac- we found a raccoon corpse. Yeah. We, all fu- we all fucked it, obviously. Yeah, of course, yeah. See who could last the longest. And uh, then we put it on... Sting. Uh, he, went, he went 18 hours with his tantric maneuvers. <laughs> yeah. One of the, yeah, good lad. Good. I got a standing ovation for that. Yeah, fantastic. Um, didn't last very long on the waterboarding, though. So, um, <laughs> squealing out. Squealing, squealing out in Geordie. Yeah. Uh, and then we popped it on a raft, and then we burnt it, and then 
lo and behold, we think that's what washed up on the beach uh, 10 miles away over there. So, yeah, that was us. We created it. It's a theory. So, in keeping with all the murky trails leading to and away from the Montauk Monster, Grant's recollection nine years later varies from the account publishing Gorka. Um, the old friend credited with the burial at sea was actually a patron at a bar where Grant worked that summer. She couldn't remember his name, she said, but remembered that she promised never to promised him never to use it. He was afraid he'd find trouble with animal activists. Grant said she only saw him at the bar a few times after that and wasn't sure if he was based in Long Island or in the city. We're nearly I'm everywhere on the barefoot realtor. Don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> I was that trick as him. But the A-team, if you need me, you'll find me. <laughs> Um, so, Grant describes the story of the one-talk monster as a shady one. It was going to be one of those mysteries forever, she said, and she found a Viking funeral story credible. Maybe that's why you've been, you were shit camp from the media. My yeah. thought was, this is exactly what happened. Absolutely <laughs> plausible. Yeah. So, the cryptozoologist would agree that the story has credibility. Lauren Coleman is certain that a one-talk monster was a decomposing raccoon. All you had to do was look at it and know a little bit about zoology, which I do, and you could see it was a barely second-day disintegration and decaying of a raccoon's body, Coleman said. He went on to explain in great detail a process he called skin flipping, which, which was unrelated. This, yeah. can, <laughs> this can happen to a body being tossed around in the surf and purportedly accounts why the animal's facial structure appeared distorted, although it had a beak. In short, the normal decompression process combined with the movement through rough water can cause slippage between the surface skin and the underlying flat. It's disgusting, Holman said. While the cryptozoologist dismissed any more of the fanciful explanations for the Montauk monster, he believes the story started a trend of cryptosightings. Very quickly, um, after that, quote unquote, Montauk monsters started showing up all around the world, Coleman said. Yeah. Putting himself at the centre of the story paid off. Coleman said that the marketers of the Venom Energy Drink asked him to provide a quote that they could use in the campaign to promote the Montauk Monster-themed beverage. <laughs> I turned around and they paid me a thousand pounds, Coleman said. I felt like yeah. I was cheating them or something. <laughs> no, if they're mug enough to give me that offer, you take it. Local news reports from summer 2008 suggest some of the sceptics felt the woman, the women who took the photo were possibly trying to cash in themselves. Newsday posted the question to Jenna Hewitt's father, who dismissed rumours that his daughter and her friends were aiming to sell a profit. There is no indication a woman ever earned anything more than uh, cocktails at the surf lodge for the discovery of the Montauk monster. Still, Goldberg told the Observer she would only consider giving an interview for a fee. <laughs> she didn't respond to a follow-up question asking the nature of her terms. <laughs> she couldn't afford me. Um, if the young woman's involvement in the tale of the Montauk monster really is innocent, as Coleman believes, they got caught up in a monster media storm through no fault or intention of their own. It's easy to understand why they might be resentful. Maybe the Montauk monster is just another local intrigue that the year-rounders tried and failed to keep to themselves. In fairness, if it was just a washed-up raccoon corpse, mm. and he just took a photo of it, and then, yeah, 
people still asking you about it 15 years later, then I suppose you would get a bit irritated. I would be cashing in as much as possible. Yeah, but that's the point, is you're not being able to make any cash out, are you? Well, yeah. You know, other than this guy who apparently managed to get a, a grand for this, this fucking some energy drift or something. I don't know yeah, but he's, to, but, but he's much admired, so... Oh, there you, you go. Um, looking big in the cryptozoology game, ladies. That's what you got there. Exactly. Looking back to... Yeah, but you could... You would imagine you could... I feel like you could earn a fair bit of bumps by going to, like, cryptozoology conferences and that kind of thing, because I'm sure there's loads of them in America, going around, give a little talk, yeah. find some stuff, sell some shit. I reckon you could Got to grind. Got to grind. Get up and grind. Looking back to that summer is like peering at Long Island's easternmost tip through a sepia-toned Instagram filter. The only view of Montauk I can afford in... The only view of Montauk I can afford in the years is it's become a lobster roll-filled playground for one percenters. It's hard to imagine how the discovery of the Montauk monster might have played out if it happened ten years later. Lawson said he's never been to Montauk before his Gorka post went viral. But the story of the Montauk monster still haunts him. Mm. Lawson said that he had opted out of the traffic-based uh, compensation model that Gorka offered at the time, uh, and that if, had he been paid on the commission, he would have made about £9,000 from that one post alone. I think I spent the rest of the summer just thinking about the money. <laughs> you would, wouldn't you? Yeah. Ask him what he thinks of the Montauk monsters in a circle clamming up over the years. Lawson was in two minds. Maybe there's a silliness they just want to, don't want to be associated with, he said. Or they're part of the conspiracy, and it is really a monster. So, so the the identifications, and this is off Wikipedia, that have been made of it, okay, are raccoons, but the legs appear to be too long in proportion to the body. A sea turtle, but sea turtles don't have fur or teeth. Yeah, a rodent. Rodents have two large distinctive incisor teeth in front of their mouth, which this does not. A dog or another canine, such as coyote. The corpse is dog-like, but the eye, ridge, and feet do not match. Or a sheep or another ovine. Although the face looks somewhat ovine, sheep do not have sharp teeth. And paleozoologist, which is like a, a cryptozoologist, but worse... <laughs> It's not, it's a real thing. Yeah. Uh, Darren Nash studied the photograph and concluded from the corpse's visible dentation, skull shape, and front paws, the creature was a raccoon. Oh, there you go. With its extremely odd appearance, mainly a byproduct of decomposition and water action, removing most of the animal's hair and some of its flesh. Nash disagreed with the idea that the legs are disproportionately long for a raccoon, providing an illustration of a raccoon's body superimposed over a corpse in the photograph. Jeff Corwin also identified the carcass as that of a raccoon in a Fox News interview. Well, there you go. If it's uh, so possibly a raccoon. So that story that they told about the Viking funeral, may it, it may have been where it came <laughs> from after all? Well, I think no. I, don't I mean, think... I must confess, that wasn't my first guess. No, but I think if they'd burnt it, it would have looked different to that. Mm. I don't know, once it's been in the sea for a while, who knows? 
Yeah, no, but if you burn it, you would imagine that it would incinerate more of the body because the body looks fairly untouched. Yeah, but maybe it just burnt off all of the fur. I mean, I wouldn't imagine these are the most capable arsonists, but anyway. Who knows? What do you mean? Everyone's capable after shoving clothes pins in their penis and yeah. waterboarding themselves. <laughs> no, I don't know. I just like because presumably they sent it out on the sea or something you know, as a burn. So maybe it's sort of like you know, burnt all the fur off, fell out, and then yeah, maybe well, I don't know. I'm just saying it could be. It could be. Yeah, so it could be now, or lots of maybes. Could be a monster. I mean, more like a de- decomposing raccoon by the sound of it, but fair enough. It does sound like that, doesn't it? Yeah. Which is a shame, because raccoons are nice. Mm. You know, There's people a... bring to it what they want. Yeah. You see a decomposing raccoon, I see an entirely new species. But you can imagine vulnerable. that in the past, you know, like in the past, stuff like this would have happened in the past as well. Like yeah, a, yeah. And so you can see where some of these... So the stories come from, yeah. Yeah, because they would have thought it was a, a demon or something, wouldn't they, in the 16th century or something, if that had turned up on the beach. I think it was like, because it, yeah, like, it looks like it's all beak and teeth, and yeah. they'd have thought it was it like... come out of hell. Could be a dead griffin, shouldn't it? Yeah, probably. So, Neil, that is the very long tale of the Montauk Monster. Would you like to go through the scoring system? I would love to do that, Chris. And we had to do it because it is a famous one. But, um, I thought there was going to be more theories and stuff around it. There was a lot more, um, you know, chat about Montauk, chat about real estate and, and groovy bars and stuff. But hey, it's all, all colourful characters. Hey, I wouldn't mind going there. Yeah, sounds good. Um, so, Neil, spookiness. I mean, it's not very spooky, is it? No. Like the monster isn't going out attacking people and stuff, but I actually just washed, washed up dead, so it's more itchable than anything. Um, but, what's not... go, but what's going on in that testing facility? Well, that's only if you assume it's come out of that. Um, they're breeding monsters, but, I mean, why would you breed cat-sized raccoon-type things? Um, you start small and blow them up. That's true, yeah. You know, make, it, make it go to incredible sizes um, by breeding it with um, woolly mammoths. It was, just um, a he- it was just a Hello World prototype. Yeah. Um, yeah. No. So it's uh, this. Yeah. There's not really anything particularly spooky here. Um, it's mysterious. Mm-hmm. You like, um, but not too spooky. So I'm going to give it a two. Two. Um, so I think that if you came, so I'm thinking like if you're these women having a nice walk. When you came across this, it would be quite spooky because it because do, it doesn't look like anything that you, you would have to take photographs of. Yeah, but I mean, I think it, I, like I think it's quite quite spooky looking. I think like what the fuck is that? Like if you know, I'm not saying you'd like run off screaming, but I think no. it would make you it would give you some, some sort of weird weird feelings. Yeah, fair enough. Negative feelings, I think, not positive. Um, He's quite an attractive little fella. Yeah, but that's, but that's, um, that would be a negative. I mean, but I consider that a negative feeling because it'd be, it'd be like, well, what, what's wrong with me? Why am I? Yeah. Why am I so? Why, why, why am I so drawn? charged to this? Why, why am I so drawn to this? Yeah. What's wrong? Like, is anyone going to see what's going on downstairs? 
Um, so, um, yeah, I think I think it's I think yeah, it would because it is actually something and it's real, right? It's not like oh, there's a shadow monster or whatever. Like, so you're actually coming across something that you haven't seen and it's horrible looking and it you know in real life, right? It's an actual physical thing. So, yeah. um, so I think I'm going to give it. Because it's actually because it's real, right? right? Okay, so I'm going to give it a five. Uh, so believe, you, yeah, this uh, is what you've, you've, you've kind of combined two categories there, but that's fine. I'm gonna have to do what I want. You do what you want. I don't give a shit. Just give it well, a number. Why yeah. you bring it up then? You clearly do. No, I'm just, uh, right. we'll, we'll talk about this just off air. Just making, a, just making a point. Yeah, all right, Mr. Point Five. Yeah. Um, so, um, believability. Um, yeah, I mean, like, uh, yeah, so I, I'm erring on the side that I think they, I'm erring on the raccoon side, and I think they found something. Um, so, but, you know, is it, do I believe that it's a monster or something from the labs or a mutant or something? Probably not. But, you know, it again, it exists, so... It's believable, so I'm going to give it a 7-0. Fair enough. Well, I'm going to split the diff on this one because, yes, I'm I'm prepared. Given that two people have identified it as a decomposing raccoon, fair enough. It is, did wash up, so it's a real, you know, it's entirely possible that this is, it was just a raccoon that washed up, whether it was one that had been given a Viking funeral earlier on in the night is open to speculation, but... yeah. Yeah, but but you know, that seems that seems reasonable to me. So um, believability in terms of this thing washing up, and then actually, if you saw that, you wouldn't necessarily, you know, you're not going to know. Um, you would think that was something weird and, and mm. different. So uh, yeah, uh, believing that it's um, that it's a monster or anything else, though, that that is that is kind of like a lot less believable. So I'm going to split and give it. I'll give it a five. Five. Okay. Um, now to premise, Neil. <laughs> Hmm. I mean, it's not. I think, because well, there is an air of mystery, I think um, it should have to be like some sort of Twin Peaks thing where they just, you know, you, you have a central mystery, but you never actually try and solve it. It's just never, you know. It's more about what happens you get a around of colourful characters around Montauk who, uh, yeah, I think I think what gives it a little bit more, I mean. It's, having all Having all the fairs and stuff. Yeah. So they, you know, they sound mildly insufferable. The people um, surrounding it, but uh, hey, you know, at least they're a bit bohemian and stuff. So that's something. So yeah, I think you could turn this into some like not really the monster itself, but uh, you know, it just yes. leads us into some like Beverly Hills nine hundred two one eight type scenario. So <laughs> you know, it's that. It's it's a you know, it's a fairly bland. So so yeah, I'm going to give it a five. Hey Eric, you gonna come and hit the surf with me? Oh man, I've got to sell this apart. I've got to sell this condo first. Yeah. Oh man, but the Waves of Jupiter. Oh no. Um, you gave it a five. Yeah, um, five. Yeah, it's not a lot to it. I like your idea. Um, but I mean it's just an event rather than a story, isn't it? Yeah. Some, something washed up. There's not so. much more you can say about so it. I'm gonna so. give it I'm gonna give it two. Fair enough. Uh and reach. So yeah, it was it was you know, I certainly saw it at the time. It did go pretty viral. Um, if you were on the internet, then you would have sort of seen it. Um, and it was pretty global as well. So, I, you know, it's 
Decent. I'm going to give it seven nil. Oh wow, that's probably a bit more generous than me. Um, only oh, for this just because like, of a generous heart. Yeah, that's true. Um, <laughs> you know, you had a, you had a Montauk monster-sized hole in your heart, and this has mm-hmm. now filled it. It has. If if the Montauk monster did not exist, people would have had to have in, invented him. Mm-hmm. Um, what was it again? Oh yeah, Reach. Uh, yeah. So I think the only I'm not going to give this. A, a, Fair enough, take all that, it's on Gorka, it's on a load of other things. Um, it probably is reasonably well known at the moment. The reason I'm not going to give it a high score is because I can't see it knocking around that much longer. Very much of its period, and I think this will be gotten about in 10 years' time. So um, you're, what you're doing here, you criticised my scoring earlier, but now you're claiming to have knowledge of the future. Yeah, well, no, that's that's because I, I do have uncanny powers. Oh, Okay. I mean, That's at the different. Cards. No, what you did was you, you crossed two two different things together. Where is your reach? Whereas they have separate scoring there for that well, reason. Where's your reach? I've, I've, not crossed any of the, I've not crossed any of the boundaries, Chris. I'm simply using use of my uncanny powers. Oh, okay, fair enough. Um, which is entirely different. So, okay, well, um, not going to so argue yeah. with you. You're a lawyer. And ending me up in a five. Five. Okay, well that gives us an overall score of thirty-eight. So not too bad. Fun little story. Um, yeah, and if you've got any, I mean, uh, you know, out of a de- decomposing raccoon corpse, that's probably that's about not as much bad, as is it? Get out of it, really. Just shows you, you know, people say about the past that people, you know, people made a big thing about things because they were bored and they didn't have TV or internet or anything, but we still do it now. So yeah. you, know, you might think you're better than a decaying raccoon corpse, but have you made a viral meme on Twitter? No, not yet. Yeah. No, you haven't, have you? No, no reevaluate your life. With I'm hoping when my it wasn't at you particularly, Chris. I was, oh, right. I was more, more asking was... our listeners to look into their hearts and oh, okay. see where gonna... they rank against the decomposing raccoon corpse. Okay. I'll be honest with you, it's given me some fucking perspective. Yeah, well, I'm going to. Um, I'm hoping that my bloated corpse washes up on the beach at some time on Sunday if I got the tides right. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm going to have made some rather some adjustments, with some rather strange yeah. alterations yeah. to my own body before I. Or I pop myself in. Um, so, uh, yeah, you can follow us on the Twitter or X or whatever at Legend Urbane uh, or email us at urbaneurbane.legends.pods at gmail.com. I know you won't, and you can do the stuff like leave a comment and stuff on your podcast app if you would, please. Um, uh-huh. But, yeah, there we go. That's... Um, that's another one, and uh, only oh, four left. Back. Only four left of the series now. So four left. Wow, we're gonna no. have to think about our finale. Exactly, leaving a big one, rocking big one. And it's a good, yeah. And it's a good time for me to be made redundant and put on gardening leave because it means that I've got time to set up all of the new series, new series. stuff. Yeah. It's going to be. We're What's going for. A, we're going for a database approach, aren't we? Uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Like. Um, like Moneyball. Yeah, we're going to, you know, see what will attract the most listeners. Yeah. So it's going to be back to back, witches and UFOs. Beautiful. <laughs> Our two leads. It's popular. <laughs> two leads popular. Um, cool. Well, uh, wherever you are, whoever you are, whatever you do, whoever you see, whoever you love, whoever you be, have a nice week. And, uh, yeah, we'll see you same time next week. Goodbye. 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 Yeah.